You're listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live. Welcome back to another edition of Review and Preview, everybody. I'm your host for today's edition of Review and Preview, Kyle Russo, sitting alongside my co-host, James Montefusco. James, how you doing today, man? What's up, Kyle? Glad to be on with you, buddy. Glad to have you here, James. I know we were, uh, we were talking during the weekend a little bit, and I was a little scared. I thought I was going to have to go solo tonight, but uh, definitely happy to have you on. And also, on top of having James on, make sure to stay tuned throughout the entirety of the show. We will be having Paul Lombardi of the 3 and D show. He does our basketball show for uh, the Review and Preview brand, which was last night, actually. James, I believe that was his first show back uh, to start the new season. I believe you're correct. I believe he even had um, Tom on for a little bit to talk about some basketball. Um, it, was a, it was a good show. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. But before we get uh, before we uh, have Paul on James because we're gonna have Paul on towards the latter part of the show around 740, 750 we're gonna we're gonna see depending upon where we're at we're gonna talk a little bit about baseball and we actually got one comment here in the comment section by Hank and Dictor. Hank actually does our baseball show tomorrow. We're gonna talk about baseball just a little bit. We're not gonna get too deep into it. That's gonna be Hank's responsibility tomorrow yep but some breaking news the Houston Astros just finished off the Chicago White Sox. So now the Astros will go on to face the Boston Red Sox in the ALCS. Uh, I, I don't know when that begins yet, but the uh, the Astros just beat the White Sox in a 10-1 victory. Absolute uh, demolished the White Sox in a, in a game-clinching game for them. Uh, and now they go on to face the Red Sox. So just crazy to – you know, James, I was thinking about this the other day, right? Mm-hmm. these two organizations especially because they were kind of uh, putting themselves in a position to succeed and putting themselves in a position to wind up beating uh, Red Sox in their case, the Rays, for the uh, Astros, the White Sox in their case. Um, you know, just just a couple of years ago, these were two teams that were just under such strict fire because of the whole cheating scandal in baseball. And now yep. just two years later, they're representing – the AL and and one of them is going back to the World Series when all is said and done, which is just yeah, absolutely crazy. crazy to me how they just it's have crazy. not missed beat this season. No, it's crazy to think about. Uh, you know, we always say the playoffs are a different mentality, a different atmosphere, and we saw it with those two teams. Um, it should honestly, it's going to be a great series. Two teams yep. that were under fire a few years ago, like you just said, but also two teams to see what's going to happen especially for both of their cities you know yeah after and coming both- out of a covid year and having now full full capacity if i can speak english tonight um okay we're warming up we're warming yeah. up 
Yeah, I'm getting there. Been getting there since Saturday. I haven't done that yet. Um, but yeah, to have their teams have for their cities um, will only be beneficial for them. Yeah, absolutely. We got Donald Hill from Three Man Weave commenting. What's going on, guys? Nothing much. Uh, nothing much, Hill. Thank you for commenting. And uh, make sure to go subscribe to the Three Man Weave. Uh, great podcast. Hill, comment, comment in the description uh, in the comment section, when the show is on, we like to promote all platforms. Uh, Hank, in the comment section as well, worst series possible. Hank, I was talking about this with James as well. Uh, as a Yankee fan, what do you do in this case scenario? Do you just go, are, are we strictly rooting for NL teams now? We we can't root for the AL anymore. This is the worst case scenario if you're a Yankee fan. He goes, no, I'm not, too, I'm not salty. Mm-hmm. A little emoji right there. Hank is definitely salty. Hank, I think it's a little salty. I, you know, I actually I want to bring this up. One of my coworkers had wore a Yankee hat, yeah. um, to work the other day. What was it last week? Yeah, last week. And it was like, well, once you guys got knocked out, I'm like, but why don't you come to the Mets? You don't have to suffer all these losses in postseason. Us Mets yeah. fans know by a certain period we're not making the playoffs. So Kyle, Hank, come to our side. It's a lot funner. You aren't stressed out in September, October. That's just me. That's just you. That is just you. Hank goes, it's like picking between the Cowboys and Eagles. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, that is a tough one. Yeah, that is. A that tough is. One. And Hill commenting back. Uh, normally Tuesdays as well, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Feel free to check out the YouTube if you miss out on the live. So make sure to go check out the three-man weave uh, on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern time. And, James, we were talking about this as well before we went live. We got some breaking news for the review and preview. We, we got merchandise, man. We, we got merchandise. merch. We got merchandise, guys. It's fire. Go to Bonfire. See what I did there? Fires. Go to Bonfire. Yeah. Go to Crazy. Bonfire. Um, one of us will drop the link in there. Um, we might do a little surprise video for you guys um, at the end of the show if we got time, Kyle. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking forward. I just ordered my stuff yesterday. Yeah, I ordered my stuff yesterday. Got a hoodie. We got hoodies, we got t-shirts, we got coffee mugs, we you got know, the holidays sleeves. are coming up, yeah. so, you know, and it's getting chilly out, you want to wear something nice and warm, um, I got a coffee mug to keep my hot chocolate warm, you know, hot, hot chocolate go. when it snows, got my coffee, you know, go check it out, um, good stuff, I can't wait to show you guys wear it on the shows and stuff, but yeah, thank you Tom, merch on Bonfire, I'll see if I, we one of us can get the link in the comment section for everybody. Absolutely. And Hank says he's got a hoodie on the way as well. Can't wait. Yeah, I got to I gotta take out the credit card and uh, buy some merchandise myself. Didn't get the opportunity yesterday, but maybe after the show tonight, I got to buy some stuff. Uh, I think but you do. I do. I do. I got to represent the brand properly. You know, we're coming on the show right now, James. When we when we go on the show from this point forward, we got to have some sort of representation oh, of the brand. Yeah. We some sort of representation. Yeah. Absolutely. So, James, we, we quickly – Glossed over the AL because, again, Hank having hitting for the cycle tomorrow, he will solely focus on baseball. But just to quickly talk about the NL as well, the Giants are playing the Dodgers, I believe, tonight. And the Dodgers have the uh, the Giants, yeah. excuse me, have the opportunity to close out the Dodgers. And what's been so entertaining about this series for me is just obviously, you know, the Dodgers being – a wild card team. They're they're not a wild card team, James. We know that, no. right? And no, everybody is taking the Dodgers, including myself, over the, the San Francisco Giants team. 
Mm-hmm. But in the Giants' two victories, they've they've shut out the Dodgers. They've looked very impressive. Uh, I don't know if you saw yeah. last night's game. It was a one nothing victory, and Brandon Crawford made an absolutely beautiful, athletic, acrobatic catch uh, on Mookie on a Mookie Betts hit that easily would have drawn in one run and would have tied the game up. But it's just been a crazy series, and they have an opportunity to close out tonight against one of the best teams in the NL, and that would be the Dodgers. So. That would be crazy. Oh, yeah. No, it's going to be crazy considering I have the Dodgers going all the way. Um, This is a – I was going to say we're going to even odd years again with San Francisco, but, you know, we'll have to see tonight. Yep, we will. Hank goes, not me. I had San Francisco. Well, Hank, then you might have been – you might have been one of the foreign few because I know that at least on – on this program, I don't I don't want to speak for too many people, but I'm pretty sure Tom, myself, James, I think we had the Dodgers and the Rays. I uh, think so. And the Rays are already out, and the Dodgers, if they don't win tonight, they'll be out as well. So we'll see what happens. Uh, and then the Milwaukee series as well. That's taken an interesting turn. The Braves, who are representing the NL in the East, are now up 2-1 on the Brewers, and they have an opportunity. I believe they're in the middle of the game right now. Right, James? I think they're in like – So let me pull it up. Because when we were yes. just they are, prior, they were in the bottom of the fourth. The Brewers are up two nothing on the on the Braves. Bases in the bottom of the fourth, the Braves have the bases loaded with two outs. So we'll keep you guys updated throughout the night. Um, I don't know if the game is going to be ending by the time the show's ending. It's still probably going to be in progress, but it'll definitely be towards the latter part of the game. But we will yeah. keep you guys updated uh, throughout the show upon any baseball updates if the game is over if the Brewers tied or if the Braves wind up winning and uh, move on. But James, in the comments section, we got a comment from James Montefusco. <laughs> Myself. That's Yourself. the link. That's, that's the link, everybody, uh, for Bonfire. Go check it out. Um, it is also on our Instagram page, and I believe it's also on our Facebook page. Um, if you don't have the link or you can't get the link, hit us up directly. If you have us on Facebook or Instagram, go to Kyle, Tom, myself, Hank, Paul, Gabe, Fonz, the rest of the crew. I, I know I'm forgetting everybody. I just don't want to keep this too long. Um, I want to get back to the show. But, yeah, that's the link. Go check it out. Check out our merch. Also, any suggestions? Um, I'm sure we're all open to different suggestions on what other clothing material, uh, clothing line you guys, you know, if you want sweatpants or stuff or hats. Um, but, yeah, go check it out. Go buy stuff. It's good stuff. Continue on, Kyle. Appreciate it, James. Appreciate it. Hank goes in the comment section. San Francisco has guys who've been around the block and have heart. They're the only team I think has any shot at all at beating LA. Excuse me. Yeah, Hank, I, I'm with you. Just based mm-hmm. on the way they've played, you know, not only offensively, but defensively as well. They've just been kind of a lights out unit. And like you said, they have guys that have been around the block. You know, Brandon Crawford, an older veteran player, but having probably one of the the best seasons of his career, if not the best season of his career, Buster Posey just a couple years ago. And for about three, four straight years was a guy that was just not really playing up to the earlier days, the early 2010s of Buster Posey. And now he has this lights out season for the Giants offensively and defensively as a catcher. They bring in a guy in Chris Bryant to solidify the third base position. They've just been, they've just been a great team this year and all the credit in the world to them because nobody, not one single person had them doing what they did this year. Correct. And now, let alone bleeding, uh, 
potentially having the opportunity to beat out a team, the Dodgers, who people were saying were the standalone favorite to win the World Series repeat, and now being on a now being on the heels of potentially losing in tonight's game. I think it starts at around nine ten tonight. Sounds about right, since they're on the West Coast. So the show will not be going on at that point in time, but hang tomorrow. We'll have all the live baseball updates for you guys on hitting with the cycle. Now, James, we are going to transition into some football. We're going to talk a little bit about the Giants and the Jets. But before we do, before we do, uh, quickly, as a lot of people, it's been all over the news. Uh, A lot of us have obviously seen it. John Gruden resigned last night during the Baltimore during the Baltimore Ravens and Indianapolis Colts game as the uh, as the Raiders head coach over email reports that came out was reported by the New York Times in his replacement Rich uh Bisacci, I believe it is will take over he's yep. the special teams coordinator for the Raiders at this point in time he's been in the NFL as a coach for 20 years now he gets the opportunity to be the interim head coach as the Raiders stand at a record of 3-2 now, with that being said, James, we're going to move on. We're going to talk about the New York Giants. Oof. Okay. This is uh, – ah, James, you know, we uh, we on Review and Preview, especially, you know, me, you, and Tom, we love to have yep. conversations about the Giants because it's, it's all different opinions. And, and, and something that we tend to do, James, and you know this, we just have conversations that last hours upon hours. We don't even realize it. I think yesterday – Everybody, we had a phone call that lasted an hour and a half. I'm driving yep. on my way home. We're having an hour and a half conversation about the Giants and all the struggles in which they had and, and what and what we have to look forward to and what the Giants have to look forward to. And I, I ended off the conversation, I think, by saying this. Isn't it sad that you have to talk about what we have to look forward to in the future five games into the season? I think Didn't that was sad? your exact words. And then we hung up. And that was it. Yep. And that was it. Hill going in the comments section. How about them Cowboys? LOL. Hill, I said on last week's show, the Giants were going to lose 35 to 20. They just were not going to be able to compete with that offense. And as we saw, they were not able to do so losing 44 to 20. They just they just stood no chance. I shouldn't say that because they, they competed up until, I, I want to say, I mean, really, <laughs> I think. When Jones got hurt? No, James. I think they lasted even further than that. They were I think the score was around seventeen to thirteen in Dallas's yes. favor in the beginning third. of the third up quarter. Third. Yes. I think right after halftime. I think you're yeah. Sounds correct. Right around the seven minute markers when everything started to go uh go south. And, and yeah. granted, after all the injuries that the Giants had, because the list is a laundry list, uh losing losing Barkley first on a on a rolled ankle winded up coming out as a sprained ankle. So Knock on wood, nothing worse than that. He'll be out a couple weeks. Uh, then Jones takes an absolutely nasty hit, uh, yep. gets concussed on the field. They, uh, it was it was bad. It was bad. He he got up and he could barely move. He could, he could barely walk on his own two feet. We saw. Uh, I don't know the guy. Uh, the defenders first for the Dallas Cowboys. Curse ran over to him and tried to assist him. Yes. Uh, just it was it was really bad. It was really scary too, because you watch the hit, and Jones the way he and this will be something again. It's it's a learning experience, and it's scary as a Giants fan as well when you see it because something that's been one of his better abilities, Daniel Jones's 
abilities and what he has to offer to the Giants is his running capabilities. And just after a hit like that, if you're a Giants fan, next time you see him on the field, let alone see him, you know, run at all. I, I mean, you, you got to slide, man. You got to slide. You can't lean in with your head. You can't yeah. do that. And he was the one that directed, in a sense, I, I'm, there's a word, it's slipping my mind, but intended, I guess, not intended, but you know what I'm no, trying to say. He went in with his helmet, He, but it wasn't, again, I got what you're saying. I know. Yeah, it, it's he really should have said, you know, being an athlete, Kyle, you know this as well. You you always you see that end zone, you see that goal line, right? You always want to try to get there. So, you know, how are you gonna tell somebody you gotta you you gotta slide? Like the ball isn't on your feet, the ball's in your hands. You know, you're yeah. trying to get that touchdown. But at the same time, you gotta do what's healthy for you. Tom in the comments does can we call them little giants? Um, Tom, how about injured giants? Um Yeah. Yeah. They have become so, one of the more uh, injured teams in football as the list continues on, James. Kenny Galladay left the game early with a hyperextended knee. He didn't even have a reception in this game. Uh, Rodarius Williams came out yesterday, who was a, a nice cornerback that the Giants yeah. picked up in the seventh round last year, has really solidified himself a starting position on the team, on the defense, towards ACL. So the list goes on and on. And that's on top of the fact, James, that the Giants were already without a Darius Slayton. We're already out without a Sterling Shepard. We're already without a Andrew Thomas who suited up for the game but never actually appeared on the field. Do you know what happened with that? He was – so he suited up for the game. Mm-hmm. So he was injured throughout the week, I believe. Okay. So worst-case scenario, he was going to play, I guess, Boulder was not playing up to par or Perl was not playing up to par. Mm-hmm. Or if one of them obviously got injured, then he would have been put in. But because right. the Giants on the offensive line, again, that's kind of been the bright spot, surprisingly, these last couple of weeks, is that in the last two weeks of football against the against the New Orleans Saints and against the now Dallas Cowboys, they have not let up a sack. They've given the quarterback, whether that was Daniel Jones or whether that was uh, or whether that was Mike Lennon, they've given them terrific pockets to pass in they've given them protection they've given them time who would have thought that five weeks into the season james we'd say that the only problem the giants have the only problem the giants don't have is the offensive line protection who would have thought well i mean i had a i had a feeling the offensive line would be better than it was in past years um am i was i surprised to say that's our bright spot right now no um but it is which is actually nice to see um, considering they ain't let up any hits on Jones or the backup, and no sacks, so which is nice. But it was a, it was not a pretty game. Once no. uh, around the seven minute mark of the third quarter, uh, once around the seven minute, that's when Dallas really started to break away. They started scoring touchdowns, and then at the end of the game, uh, to get to point number forty four to Dallas, uh, the corner for Dallas, Anthony Brown. Uh, pick six on Mike Lennon, return for mm-hmm. a touchdown, and that was just killer. You just needed the game to end at that point. Hill in the comment section, the Giants are a better team than their record, all troll aside. Hill, some part of me believes that. Some part of yeah. me does believe that to an extent. The coaching that they have, the players that they have, they are too good to be this bad. But like we know in all sports, 
bad teams don't execute. You know, when, when the Giants earlier on in the season were losing these games to Atlanta, were losing these games to Washington, bad bad teams don't know how to close, and and that's what the Giants have been. They don't know how to close games. Even in the Saints game, uh, they were playing one of the worst passing defenses in football, and they struggled to get into the double-digit points up until maybe the final seven minutes of the fourth quarter. When uh, when they got back on the field, Daniel Jones throws a 54-yard passing touchdown to Saquon, and they get the juices flowing, and they get piped, and they get pumped up, and they wind up winning the game back over time. But that was really, again, you watch that game over the Saints were just laying off the gas uh, offensively. Yeah. You know, gave them an opportunity to come back. Uh, so as much as they could be a winning record team, they could also be an 0-5 record team at this point in time, to be quite honest with you. But, James, just go over a few stats from this game because there were – I don't want to say there were there bright spots. spots. There, were, there were a couple – there were some positives. Yeah. Uh, in the absence of Saquon Barkley, Devontae Booker, who's the backup and will be the backup for probably the next week or two, had 16 mm-hmm. rush attempts for 42 yards for one had one TD rushing, three receptions for 19 yards and a TD as well. Uh, so that was a little nice game for for Booker. It really his uh, I want to say kind of his debut for the Giants, at least in a starting running back position. Yeah. And then Kadarius Tony, Kadarius <laughs> Tony, my goodness, is again. You know, we talk about offense players being drafted in this year's draft. And I think Jamar Chase takes the cake, what he's doing with the Cincinnati Bengals. But Kadarius Tony, that's looking like a phenomenal pick right now. That's looking oh, like yeah. a very good pick. That's looking like the next up-and-coming Tyree Kill-esque type player. The way he just makes people miss his hands, his route running is just absolutely incredible. Ten receptions, 189 yards, breaks Odell Beckham's previous rookie Giants receiving record of 185 yards. Sadly, you know, at the end of the game, you know, when, when things were getting bad in terms of Dallas just completely blowing them out, throws a punch uh, on a Dallas player, gets ejected from the game. He then apologized the next day, uh, the next day to the organization and the fan base for doing what he did. I don't, it's, it's not going to be a problem again, not a good look, but he apologized. You move on. That's it. But in terms of the play on the field, you know, they gave him opportunities. They gave him opportunities in the yes, Saints game. He was fantastic. They gave him opportunities in this Dallas game. He was fantastic. And now well, with all these weapons offensively, the Giants are really going to be counting on him. Listen, I'm pretty happy he went off. He uh, he helped my fantasy team. He blessed my fantasy team this past week. <laughs> so it was a good pickup on, on my end. But, yeah, he, he's going to be someone special with – um. He's going to get more reps, especially with Slayton and Shepard out. I believe they might be returning this week. Don't quote me on that. I think it depends on how bad their hamstring injury was. I don't see Galladay coming back, you know, a hyperextension knee. That could take a little bit. Um, You know, and we got got a lot of tough opponents coming up, too. So We'll talk about that. We'll talk about it a little bit. I want to kind of close on the Giants segment within the next five minutes or so. But James, nothing seemingly goes right for this team, right? Even their even no. their kicker, Graham Gano, went from making thirty-seven straight field goals to now missing two consecutive field goals. Now having two games consecutively with a missed field goal, uh, misses one in the Saints game, misses one in the Giants' first you know scoring opportunity in the game after making thirty-seven straight. Yep. Uh, 
Evan Ingram caught four receptions for 55 yards. That was that was a decent decent okay. game for him as he was one of the only offensive weapons left towards the latter part of the game. The Giants' defense totaled two sacks, one forced fumble, and one interception this game. The defense did all they could. I, I know people are saying the defense played awful. They did all they could, especially in that first quarter and a half of the game. If you watch that over, the Giants' offense just could not stay out on the field and was no. really draining that defense. And then after you know the injuries to Saquon, the injuries to Daniel Jones, the injuries to – Kenny Galladay opening up in that second half, it just it'll suck the life out of a defense, and there's really nothing at that point they could do because the offense was just giving no support whatsoever. But moving on to Dallas' side of the ball, because Dallas actually had a fantastic game, and Hill, like you're saying, didn't give up a sack to Dallas, but they did get a lot of pressures and caused pen, uh, plenty holding calls. Absolutely, they did, and they've actually been very, very surprising on the defensive side of the ball. While they've haven't. While they've given up a lot of offensive yards, Hill, they've been very good in terms of limiting their opponents in terms of how much they're able to score, big play opportunities. And, of course, you know the offense that they have in Dallas will carry them the way that they are playing right now, especially at the of Dak Prescott, including 22 of 32 passes, 302 pass yards for three TDs and one interception. James, the Dallas Cowboys on this Giants defense had 515 total yards of offense, which included 200-plus rushing yards, which is uh, atrocious if you're a Giants fan, but incredible if you're a Dallas fan. Including those 200 rush yards, 21 rush attempts for 110 yards, one TD by Ezekiel Elliott, two receptions for two yards and another TD for Ezekiel Elliott. Tony Pollard, who's been – Uh, Again, you look at this Dallas running back core, really outside of maybe the Cleveland Browns with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. They got probably one of the best duo tandem running back situations in in football with Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. 14 rush attempts for Pollard for 75 yards and four receptions for 28 yards for Pollard. Phenomenal day for the Dallas running backs. Hill, if you're still in here, man, I want to hear your take real quick. You know, Ezekiel Elliott going into the season has been on the decline every single year since he's been in the NFL. People said he got the money. The giant, uh, the Dallas offensive line over time has kind of deteriorated, and people said that's kind of why Zeke is, uh, has not performed up to par. But Ezekiel Elliott, with the exception of that game one uh, season opener against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he's been absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. He's looking like that rookie form once again. He's been probably uh, along the likes of I don't want to say better than a uh, Derrick Henry Aaron Jones Alvin Kamara uh, you know obviously when Christian McCaffrey is healthy Alvin Cook are healthy they're one of the top running backs in football but he's been right up there in, in top five conversation in terms of running backs this year for sure um Dallas's defense total two interceptions one of those receptions interceptions we talked earlier return for the touchdown Moving on to the offensive passing in this game against the Giants. CeeDee Lamb, four receptions for 84 yards and a TD. Dalton Schultz, six receptions for 79 yards. Amari Cooper, three receptions for 60 yards and one TD. So the Dallas Cowboys now stand at a 4-1 and record as they are topping the NFC East. And really no competition in sight in terms of competing for the division right now, James. And uh, pulling up this comment by Hill. Zeke is back. The emergence of Tony Pollard is helping for sure. Good one, too. Punch couldn't agree with you more. 
I think that's only going to furthermore help Z kind of take the pressure off of him. And what I love about Tony Pollard as well is that not only can he run the football effectively, but they're also working him in as a passing threat as well, which is yes. a such a dominant passing offense. They are really becoming one of the top, really, in my personal opinion, I think one of the top five, top seven teams in football. Uh, I don't think there's any question about it. But, James, wrapping up this Giants segment, another terrible loss to the Giants. Everyone is hurt. <laughs> They're now one and four. Oh, boy. We talked about it yesterday with Tom. They're going into the gauntlet in terms of these really, really tough opponents to come up, including the Rams, the Raiders, the Buccaneers, the Chiefs. Is there, is their season over? Is their season I, over? Yeah, not not yet. I think they'll they'll have a few surprising games. I said this even for the Dallas game. They'll surprise people. Well, clearly, they surprised people after their offense getting injured. Um, I think they'll <laughs> surprise people. I think they'll keep games close. Unfortunately, they will probably lose games close. Um, there's going to be like the Vegas game. We sh- I, I could see us winning that. Um, this week, we're probably not winning. Um, who do we got after this week? The Chiefs? I think that we have Carolina after this week. All right. I, I, could, see us, I, could, I could see us probably taking Carolina. Um, yeah. th- there's a know. few games that we could probably s- sneak in, you know, like a surprise they can upset. Um, but I think it – I don't know, man. It's going to be tough. Um, it's going to be a long – few next weeks um especially until we don't have a bye for another four or five weeks we're in yeah, week six we have now, a bye, weeks. we have a bye week 10 i believe yeah, so we so. got a cup uh four tough games coming up including this week's matchup against the la rams james yeah they are 10 and a half point favorites in this game the giants are without their starting qb their mm-hmm. number one receiver mm-hmm. i don't know if Shepard or slayton are going to play in this game they're missing saquon barkley mm-hmm it's it's not looking good for this team. Just quick game predictions. Uh, the Giants are not going to win this game. I, I think we're going to see. Uh, I think we're going to see in the Rams' favor, thirty-five to ten. They're Jeez. just. They're, it's it's going to be bad. It's What's not going to one, be good. This a one o'clock game. I don't know when this game is at. I don't know when it's at. Because if if it's a one o'clock game, I guess I'll be going to work early. Or than what I what I would have liked to, considering uh you know, um it is a yeah one o'clock game looks like I'll be at work by like three thirty before the game even ends. Um, but on a real note, I don't know, man. I think it's going to be a twenty seven seventeen game. All right, that's- listen, that's respectable. Without all your starters, that's a respectable loss. That's a respectable loss. But James, now switching gears, moving to the other New York football team that played this weekend, nine thirty in the morning here, but. Played in London, and the Jets lose the Atlanta Falcons 27 to 20. Jets had 230 total yards of offense, not good. Seven penalties for 58 yards. Zach Wilson did not have a stellar performance, struggled again. 19 completions out of 32 attempts, 192 yards, one interception. Michael Carter and Ty Johnson, they are struggling tremendously with yes. the run game. Carter having 38 yards on 10 attempts with one TD, three receptions for 20 yards. And Ty Johnson, four rush attempts for 12 yards with one TD, two receptions for 22 mm-hmm. yards. Corey Davis in the past game, four receptions for 45 yards. Keelan Cole, two receptions for 38 yards. In this game, we predicted it last week when we had our show, James, uh, 
when we had Tommy Mack on and we had Greg Vavernick on and Chris Klim, we were talking the Jets and we were all advocating for the Jets. This was definitely a winnable game, and we saw as it ended a twenty-seven to twenty loss. Definitely a winnable game if they were just able to get the offense movement going. They just were not all game. We're kind of at a standstill. Couldn't get anything going in the pass game. Couldn't get anything going in the run game. And I believe I even said, and don't quote me on this, but I said I think this was going to be Kyle Pitts' breakout game in the NFL, and it was. He records his first touchdown. In the NFL, in his NFL career, nine receptions, 119 yards, and one TD. Matt Ryan, 33-45. Completion for 342 yards and two TDs. Cordell Patterson has been a phenomenal addition to this Atlanta Falcons offense. Kind of a Swiss Army Knife player. 14, uh, 14 rush attempts for 54 yards and seven receptions for 60 yards. Along with Mike Davis, who's, I would say, running back number one, 13 rush attempts for 53 yards with one TD, two receiving attempts for eight yards. And Hayden Hurst, the other tight end for the Falcons, four receptions for 40 yards and a TD. And they had 450 total offensive yards on this Jets defense, almost double of what the Jets had put up. Yeah, well, um, I was watching backstage when you guys were talking about the Jets. Um, let's just say that was. Um, I turned on the game around, I don't know, 10, 15, I think. And I I, I wasn't going to watch them. But I watched them for a little bit, and I was like, this is disgusting. <laughs> I think I zoned out, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, to, to then seeing them later on, how they the score was so close in the end, I'm like, wow. Okay, this Jet team isn't terrible. They aren't good. They aren't bad. They're like that they're somewhat in the middle because they could have very they they have very bright spots and they have very low spots. Um I think I would say give them the rest of the season. You will see them a game like that, a twenty to twenty seven loss to the Falcons. Later in the season you'll see them win. A lot of these games that they lost early on in the season, you will see them win because they'll be better gelled and also it's a growing team you look at the young quarterback you look at the first year head coach by a certain point next season they'll be better and the Falcons just had their number I mean Kyle Pitts man geez I, I saw him I saw a few highlights he's a monster he's gonna be good for that team yeah no and he was James he was he was very good against this Jets defense who Really, primarily, you look all at all leading to this this game. The Jets defense was actually performing at a very, very high level. I believe they had given up the least receiving touchdowns in the NFL entering this week defensively wise mm-hmm. for the corners at least, which was incredible to me to see that statistic. That all these years, Jets fans and and people in the media talking about how the secondary is such a weakness and they have no corners and seeing that they have given up the least receiving touchdowns in the NFL through five weeks of football has been highly impressive. But like you said, the offense over time will gel. They're still without their left tackle, Makai Becton. So the yep. offensive line has to get solidified still. Again, these are the growing pain of having a rookie head coach, rookie offensive coordinator, rookie QB, a lot of young talent on the offensive side of the ball, a lot of new talent on the offensive side of the ball, and same with the defense as well. So this will be the growing pains, but the Jets are on a bye week this week, James. So I don't know. I don't recall who they play off the bye week next week, but they do have a bye week early on in the season, which can help you. 
but it can yeah. also hurt you as you move throughout the latter part of the season. But real quick here before we move on, we got a comment from Sal for Micah. <laughs> Just end the season, J-E-T-S. Let's talk about the real race. Who will lose more games, Giants <laughs> or Steelers? Sal, I'm going to have to say the Giants. You know, the Steelers, as bad as they've looked, they look more they, – they look better on the offensive side of the ball. They have more bright spots on the offensive side of the ball and on definitely on the defensive side of the ball than the Giants have this season and just have such a great coach in Mike Tomlin. Is never uh, Mike Tomlin, I don't think, has ever coached them to a losing season. And, again, that might be a different storyline this season with the AFC North and the AFC as a whole being as packed as it is. You know, you look at the division alone with Cleveland. You saw what Baltimore did last night, which is just absolutely insane. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And then, you know, even the Cincinnati Bengals who have come out, you know, Joe Burrow returning for that horrific injury and, and Jamar Chase, everybody judged that draft pick. I know I was a person that said maybe they should have drafted Sewell to protect Joe Burrow, but that combination has been absolutely lethal through five weeks of football so far. Uh, I know that Juju Smith-Schuster is done for the season, but I think mm-hmm. that Chase Claypool, uh, you know, they'll have to work in guys like James Washington. Uh, I'd like to see him work in an area, especially tight end. They'll work in Pat Fryermuth a little bit. You saw what Najee Harris was able to do this weekend against one of the best defenses in football against Denver. And Big Ben, while he had, get me wrong, he's had a lot of bad games this season, he has had a decent amount of bright spots this year as well. And as long as the defense – keeps up that pressure, I think that, again, don't get me wrong, the Steelers are not going to win a lot of games. But if we're comparing the two teams, I, I think I'd say the Steelers wind up with more wins this season than the Giants do. That's my my take. But, James, any last notes uh, on your opinion real quick? Um, no, I think the Giants probably will lose more games than the Steelers. Um, it, I think um, I think those – the Jets, the Giants, and the Steelers um, have a very – interesting tie to each other and how many games they could lose because the Jets and Giants are also tied since what 2017 I think I saw the stat um, for yeah. the most losses so as so I don't know I'm not quoting it I don't want to say anything because I don't want to manifest it into the world because a lot of the stuff I've been saying has been manifested into the world so I, I'm keeping my mouth shut on this aspect and so I also forgot about Deontay Johnson who's looked phenomenal he, he came on the came on the scene for the for the Steelers last year and really showed himself to be a reliable receiver. And he's been great for them this year as well. So even though they're losing Juju, I think that with an offensive Najee, Eric Ebron, who I think they'll work in more, Pat Fryermuth, Chase Claypool has been great this season. I think that that will be, again, a better case scenario than the Giants offense, who we just listed off, James, 10, 15 minutes ago, where every single receiver is is hurt right now. At least the first, at least the top four receivers are hurt right now. Yes. Oh, but anyway, moving on, James, we have Paul Lombardi. Oh, we have us. Paul. We oh. have Paul here with us. Paul Lombardi from Three, ladies and gentlemen. Paul? How you doing, man? Doing pretty good. You know, been been an interesting few weeks of the season, but how are you guys doing? We're doing all right, man. You know, we're we're kind of in the same. Uh, surprisingly. Oh. Well, surprisingly, we're kind of in the same boat, and that's what you know. We brought you on for our text you last night. What's going on with your Chiefs, man? What's going on? Thirty-eight to twenty to the Buffalo Bills the week prior, or a couple weeks prior, losing to the uh, 
Los Angeles Chargers. These are big AFC maps that the Chiefs are just not looking very competitive. Yeah, it's it's been rough. Um, they've their defense has obviously been clearly the um, beneficiary to why they've been losing all these games. Their offense really has not been that horrible. It has not been up to par that we've become used to, you know, since Mahomes has taken over as quarterback, but their defense has been very bad. And it also been a mixture of a very tough first five weeks of the season. So, you know, when we got, you have to play the Browns, Ravens, the Chargers, uh, the Bills last week, it was – and then the Eagles. I mean, the Eagles were the only easy game in those five. But obviously, you know, with high expectations, there's no excuse. But yeah. there's definitely – um, there's there's definitely, you know, high expectations, no excuse. Reigning AFC champions uh, two years ago were the Super Bowl champions. We deserve a difficult schedule. Mm-hmm. But it, I think that the secondary is very young. Um especially in the, with our cornerbacks. You know, we have a lot of veteran safeties, but we have a lot of young corners, and they've been getting burnt a good amount. We have all we all saw Daniel Sorensen get burnt a ton uh, Sunday night against the Bills, but, you know, he's he's one of our veterans. But uh, it's it's been – every nothing has been clicking. Nothing – everything looks out of sync. Their entire defense looks out of sync. I feel like they have to go in with – they have to figure out a new game plan. Their offense looks out of sync, even though they have been putting up some points. Uh, their receivers just seem out of sync. I think Mahomes is – you know, shockingly, a lot of people have been putting it uh, a lot of this on Mahomes. I don't think any of it has to do with Mahomes. I think Mahomes is actually watching every minute of every game so far this season. Mahomes, I think, has looked pretty sharp. I think it's a mixture of the stuff around him. And the offensive line has looked very sharp, too. Our offensive line has been great so far. I think it's uh, the receivers haven't been getting open. Um, you know, the the bad turnovers, the bad fumbles, the, you know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire's terrible fumble to cost the uh, the Ravens game. And then the defense, too, you know. And without Chris Jones, that was a horrible um, – the, the defensive line is – has no identity without him and the run stop off, which is really bad, especially if you're trying to you know, make a Bowl run to rely on one guy, one of your defensive tackles, but that's the situation we're in right now. And they got to figure something out. Now, that, Paul, that was a lot to unpack there. And <laughs> all that you said, there's definitely, there's a lot to blame all around, but, and I understand a hundred percent where you're, where you're coming from as a fan and, and just watching this Chiefs team, because I've watched them closely as well as I think going into the season, we all believe that the Chiefs, you know, as good as the Bills are, as good as the Browns were talked about, as the second year of Justin Herbert with the L.A. Chargers and a new coach were talked about in the AFC, we all believe that the Chiefs were going to be there. But yeah, now exactly. after these first five weeks of football, you know, we're know. watching them lose to these cream-of-the-crop type talents. you got to say to yourself, well, if you're not beating these teams that you're going to see there in the playoffs – are, are the Chiefs done, essentially? Definitely not. See, that's what I think um, a lot of people are jumping the gun with. It's bad right now. There's no doubt about that. The team needs to figure it out. Uh, the offense needs to start clicking a little bit better. The defense, Spagnuolo's got to figure out a different game plan. He's got to figure out something because what they're doing is not working. Um, but it, I definitely don't think it's done. I definitely think that we have grown accustomed to – 
the first three years of Mahomes' career, you know, the Chiefs starting off 4-0, and 5-0 every single season. Mahomes never throwing an interception in September. So the, now the fact that he threw, what was it, three interceptions in September, everyone was like, oh, my God, like, this is not Mahomes. But if you look at this, but if you look at the numbers, you know, he's still leading passing touchdowns, still leads uh, the league in QBR. And obviously – I keep mentioning Mahomes, and Mahomes isn't, you know, he really isn't necessarily the problem. It's really their defense. So, but um, I, I, those are just kind of examples of how I think a lot of it is just how we've grown accustomed to over the last several years the Chiefs being basically undefeated. Um, mm-hmm. or at the very worst, four and one, you know, at this point of the season, the fact that they lost three games the first five weeks is kind of shocking to everybody. And, you know, we're seeing the emergence of Josh Allen. We're seeing the emergence of Justin Herbert. So a lot of people are kind of jumping the gun and, you know, thinking that the chiefs are already done. And I, I don't think that they're even close to done. I think it's a long season. They just have to gain momentum and it, it might not be their year. You know, there's a lot of good teams in the AFC, but one, if the Chiefs can catch fire, if they can figure it out on defense, they're going to be right back in the mix, and they're going to be able to beat these teams that they're losing to right now. Yeah, as as Sal is saying in the comment section, as bad as the Chiefs are right now, they can go nine and two in their next eleven with Patrick Mahomes at QB. Yeah. I agree hundred percent. They've kind of like Paul, like you've alluded to, they've kind of gotten done with their really tough portion of the schedule within these first five weeks of the season. And don't get me wrong, they still have some games like against Green Bay, divisional yeah. games against the, the the Vegas Raiders, who have been a good team to start the year, against the Chargers still. So they still have some good teams, but nothing up to the – I mean, with really the exception of the Chargers, I wouldn't say anything up to the magnitude of playing a team like Buffalo, playing a team like Baltimore, playing a team like Cleveland. But, you know, we, we've been talking about Mahomes putting up this standard, and, and I 100% where you're getting from, and I do agree 100%. With everything that you're saying, I think that people are jumping the gun way too soon on this. You got to remember, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. Like you've said, I saw a stat today that 2019, Patrick Mahomes throws five interceptions. 2020, Patrick Mahomes threw six interceptions. He already has six. And people are like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, Yeah, but he'll still finish off the season with like 40 touchdowns. Yeah. So even if he hits double-digit interceptions, which, again, on pace to do, and there's nothing really to worry about there, the Chiefs are going to be fine. But what I will say with Patrick Mahomes, especially in watching this game on Sunday night very closely against the Bills, is that while the defense was definitely at a fault, they definitely were. They, I, I, I didn't pick the Bills, as you saw in our little fantasy quick picks. I didn't yep. pick them because I believed in Patrick Mahomes let me down a little bit, and that defense did let me, uh, let me down. But Patrick Mahomes in this game, Paul, you're watching this closely. It's 24-13. to 13. And Patrick Mahomes is the one that's making the costly mistake to kind of end the game. He throws that pick six, and the game is over at 30-13. to 13. It's all said and done, essentially. Yeah, and we yeah. see him fumbling the ball as well. Two interceptions for Patrick Mahomes. One was a pick six and fumbling as well. So there's definitely some – while I don't want to put 100% of the blame on Patrick Mahomes, he's definitely at fault in some aspects of it. Well, I, I definitely – can see that. I think there there's not a single person on this Chiefs team that isn't a hundred percent at fault. Um, I think that Mahomes can definitely take some of the blame. You know, some of his interceptions have been really bad. And we've been and I think he's almost grown accustomed to, you know, making these magic plays and you know, these no look plays and you know, 
dropping back off one foot and always completing these passes. He's throwing some of these and they're, and he's throwing them a little short. They're getting picked off. You know, these do trying to do some of these trick plays that he's always accustomed to doing. And they're just not working. Like there's, there's just not the spark there. And so he's got to, this is the first time in his career where he's got to kind of where he, everything isn't going like amazing for the, mm-hmm. for both him and the team around him. So he's got to figure out a way to, okay, when it, these kind of passes aren't when I'm not exactly on my game. How do I take over the game and help my team win uh, by being a smart quarterback? You know, I think he's he's a genius as a quarterback, and I think he's got to figure that out too because he's he's young, and I think he needs this. He also needs a season like this where he some where he starts getting hit a little bit, he starts getting picked off a little bit, just to get back to reality because it, it, he's not going to drop 50 touchdowns, 10 interceptions every year for his career. It's uh, impossible. He's going to have to go through this and he's going to have to learn, you know, how do I get past this and get back to, uh, to the same level. And the, as for, as far as the pick six was, you know, I think that a lot of it was on Tyree kill went right through his hands mm-hmm. and got an interception and return for a touchdown. I think that that was actually a pretty good pass, but um, I think it also has to do with, just everybody being out of sync. You know, the, you had the diving interception by Asante Samuel Jr. Um, that was a good pass by Mahomes, but it was a no-look pass to a new rookie chief that is not accustomed to, you know, a quarterback throwing no-look passes yet. It, um, and it went right through his hands, intercepted. So I think it's kind of like those kind of things, the flashy things got to try to figure out when the right time to do it is when it, and when the right time to just – even just game manage and just win, just win yourself a game. That's all you got to do. And um, I know I, you know, I, I do agree though. I do agree to an extent that um, it's not a hundred percent, not on Mahomes because Mahomes has made some bad mistakes, but um, yeah. I would, I would say that definitely a big portion of it is on the defense. And a lot of it I think is on the receiving core. Yeah. And we've seen through these first couple weeks of football as well. And James, I'll, Oh, I'll get to you after I make this point. Mm-hmm. I know, I, I'm sorry, man. We've just been rolling with the punches here. No, but, you're good. Go ahead, brother. This offensive line, Paul, that you know, we talked about, you know, being fixed, uh, ready to go in one season has not really been the case either. You know, I'm watching this game against Buffalo, and I'm watching Orlando Brown, who's supposed to slide into left tackle and look phenomenal, penalty after penalty after penalty. It just seemed like th- he was getting penalized every single time. The Chiefs were in a key potential moment to, to go drive down the field. These are just costly yeah. things that you just got to mm-hmm. say to yourself, you know, lucky we're only in week five and not at the end of the season doing this because we could grow through stuff like this. But with yeah. with these things on the offensive side of the ball and especially on the defensive side of the ball because through five weeks of football, the Chiefs have on average given up 33 points per game, which you cannot win with that type of formula. And so my question to you, Paul, James, before I throw it over to you, is just essentially we talk about what they could fix, what they could do, but how? Because the roster defensively, yeah, Chris Jones will will help with the pass rush. He'll help solidify the defensive line. But that secondary, more than anything, really isn't going to get much better than what we're seeing now. I mean, I know Chavarius Ward was out. That'll help the corners a a little bit. But outside of that, really, where's the improvement coming? It's it's very tricky. I think the cornerbacks are going to have to be addressed 
um, at the trade deadline, and you're going to have to bring somebody in because mm-hmm. this cornerback core I'm not impressed with. You know, you got Charvarius Ward, who w- was looking like he was going to become a very serviceable cornerback. Uh, he's extremely injury prone and he's kind of underperformed. Legarius Sneed was a third round rookie last year, had a very good rookie year, but has kind of underperformed this year. You got Mike Hughes, you know, you got a bunch of random guys slotting in. You definitely need to fix the corners. As far as the safeties, um, I think the safeties are going to figure it out. You know, you got Tyron Matthew, who's a baller. He's always going to be a tremendous leader in the secondary. And I think Daniel Sorensen has looked really bad for a bunch of different games throughout this year. But he always finds a way to figure it out, and he's a smart football player. And you also have Juan Thornhill, too, who has been getting a little bit less time. They've been putting Sorensen and Matthew out there. They sometimes play with a three-safety bunch. But if if Sorensen's struggling, you throw Thornhill out there, he's been good. I think the safeties will figure it out. I think that really the biggest worry – Honestly, and I th- even the defensive line, too. I think the defensive line is talented. And I think if it's fully healthy, you got Chris Jones, you got Frank Clark, you get Derek Naughty back. Um, if you have all of them, I think that's a very talented de- defensive line. I think that the cornerbacks and even the linebackers are going to have to be addressed, though. You're going to have to bring in some new guys. You're going to have to, Veach is going to have to make some trades, especially at cornerback, because there's nobody, there's really nobody in that cornerback room that I trust locking down a star wide receiver, a Keenan Allen or um, a Henry Ruggs or any of those guys in our division. I don't, I don't trust any. I don't really trust any of those guys. You so know, I, I completely agree. I'll throw it over to you now. Yeah, I'm going to throw it to you. I thought you froze there for a second. Um, well, question for you. We saw them go to the Super Bowl a decent amount of the last – what two three years right yeah do you feel like they're in a slump in a, in a super bowl slump you know they come out flat this year a lot of people are expecting them to do a lot more you know Mahomes's fiance is very vocal on when he's not doing well when the team's not doing well and his brother is vocal but is all over the place do you feel like a lot of people saw this success and felt that the success from super bowl and then losing the way they did last year is hurting the team. Are they in a slump or is it just them going through growing pains? I think it, it could be, a, I think it's a mixture of growing pains and a slump too, because this is the most adversity that Mahomes has gone, had to go through through his entire career. Um, I think that last year's Super Bowl was a bit of a wake up call too for them. You know, that's in a way, the amount of times Mahomes had to drop back in the pocket, how terrible the entire team played, how terrible that offensive line played. Um, that kind of like that kind of shook the entire team because they've become accustomed to uh, over the last couple of years, you know, running through everything. You know, they were they were reigning Super Bowl champions. Uh, they made it to the AFC Championship the year before, losing to the Patriots in overtime. So they've made it to three straight AFC championships. Um, they've become pretty accustomed to winning, especially since Mahomes has taken over at quarterback. Mm-hmm. All they do is really all they really do is win, and Mahomes puts up godly numbers and all that. And when, you know, the defenses start to figure it out, you know, you're playing against professional football teams too. Mm -hmm. So eventually, no matter who you're playing against, eventually they're going to catch up to you and somebody's going to figure you out on any given day. The Buccaneers figured them out on last year's Super Bowl. And I think in a way 
that's kind of sticking with them too a little bit. They they have that in the back of their head, back of their minds. I don't think it's going to prevent them from getting out of a slump or you know anything that's going to be very long term. But I think it's a little bit of a. It definitely could be a little bit of a holdover into this season. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of like you know you you got blown out in the Super Bowl and then you're you're given five very tough weeks to start the season. Besides the Eagles, so four out of five very tough weeks. Uh, to start the season and not a very, not an overall, not an extremely easy schedule. Obviously you're never going to get an easy schedule if you're the reigning AFC champs, but it's um, just kind of thrown into that. I think, I think it's a mixture of all of that. I think that um want to figure it out. Got to figure out different game plans. You know, they got to um, figure out how to attack to when everything isn't going their way when the offense isn't clicking. If at any given night, you know, the guys, um, you know, Tyrese getting locked up or Travis Kelsey can't get open or anything like that, trying to figure out how to get everybody involved um, mm-hmm. is is really going to be the key. Yeah, and Paul, we've seen that, you know, with the exception of definitely a, a, a couple weeks, uh, especially on Kelsey and Hill's part of it, uh, on their end, they've had – they definitely have had their numbers, their Tyreek Hill-esque, their – Kelsey-esque type of performances, but defenses have definitely, in a sense, figured them out and limited them in some of these games. And as we saw this game come to a close in Buffalo uh, against Buffalo, you know, Tyreek, uh, Travis Kelsey takes a nasty hit. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire goes down with an injury. I don't, I don't know if you've heard any updates personally upon, you know, what's going to happen with him for uh, this week, or let alone the, you know, the rest of the season potentially. But he went down with a nasty injury. Darrell Williams is uh, expected to take over running back for the for the next couple of weeks or so. But so going into this game against you guys play Washington this weekend and and against the defense, you know we talk about defenses that have been let down. Washington has had gone from a potential top five prediction defense this year going into the season that just for some reason has not been clicking together whatsoever, giving up a, amount of, a tremendous amount of yards per game a tremendous amount of points per game to every single team in which they faced. So, again, such a dominant offense that the Chiefs have to bring. And definitely, I would say, angry after losing the way they did to the Bills this past Sunday. You know, what do you expect to see out of them this week? I I really expect to see a lot. And going back to the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, um, the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire thing, he was put on the IR today. Um, yeah. So he's going to he's going to miss a few weeks. They said that there's no structural damage, which is good. It was a knee injury, so he'll probably miss. I I would assume three, four, five weeks, something like that. But it's going into this week, I really do think that they're going to come out stronger. They're going to take mm-hmm. advantage of this struggling defense because they know that this is this is a must win game, and they got to get their offense back on track. They have a they have a decent uh, next three games against Washington, um, the Giants, and uh, Tennessee. Tennessee. They, those are all and, those are all defenses in which they could put up tremendous numbers on. Exactly, and you know Tennessee's got a good offense, but they've been struggling this year, and their their mm-hmm. defense has been has not been good. Uh, the Giants, same thing. So I I think the next I. My main thing is I'm not counting them as one bid right now. The next three games are going to be very telling. If they drop two out of three of the next three games, then I'm very concerned, and it's it, it's going to be it's going to be very difficult to come back from that. If they take if they take two out of three or win all three, 
I think that they're they might get back on track. But these are going to be three very important games, three extremely winnable games against three bad defenses to especially to get their offense back on track and mm-hmm. especially against you know the Giants offense who if who knows if Daniel Jones will be playing that week who knows if Saquon will be playing that week but if they're going up against Mike Lennon there's no reason there's no excuse for that defense to not um figure it out and try to gain a little momentum heading into the rest of the season now, Paul, last question before we kind of round out this Chiefs segment. And, again, you're welcome to stay for the rest of the entirety of the show because we're going to be talking football, and I definitely want to hear some more uh, football opinions while we're on for the next uh, 30 minutes or so. But last Chiefs-focused question. You know, again, as I brought up earlier, you know, playing all these tough opponents, and obviously it's the beginning of the season and players are still gelling together, trying to find out a game plan. So I wouldn't put too much weight into worrying so much. But with all these talented teams that we've seen in the AFC, mm-hmm. you know, where do you see the Chiefs come week 17 as the playoffs approach? Because I don't I don't think there's going to be any question that the Chiefs aren't going to make the playoffs. They're going to make the playoffs. But where do you see them ranking? I do think that um, they're going to be duking out with the Chargers to for to win the division. At the very least, they're going to be they may be the top wild card. Um, looking at the schedule, the Chargers do have a very easy schedule. The rest of the way, Chiefs have a little bit more difficult schedule. Um, but I do think that they're going to figure it out and they're going to be right back in the mix with the Chargers. I think the Raiders will probably fall off. The Broncos are already starting to fall off. You know, they capitalize on those three easy games they had to start the season, but it's they're they're beginning to fall off. I think it's really going to, it is going to come down to Chargers and Chiefs neck and neck. And their next game that they play against each other is going to be very I think. Uh, to see who possibly wins the division. I think that whoever ends up winning the division, it's, it's going to be by one game, maybe, mm-hmm. in, or even a tie where it comes down to a tiebreaker. I think it's that's how close it's going to end up becoming. And I think that at the – but at the very least, they're going to be a top wild card. And I don't necessarily think that um they're, they're out of the mix for the one seed. They got a lot to do in order to get the one seed, but um, you know the most important thing is to try to win the division. And you know you guys see how the rest of the AFC is going. But I I don't think I won't put it past them to you know get right back in the Chargers. Uh, they play they always play the Chargers well. They did not play them well the first time this season. I think that it if they can figure things out, get a little bit of momentum, it's going to be a different story when they play them in LA later in the season. I do agree with you, Paul. I do agree with you. And on that note, that will conclude this segment focused solely on the Chiefs. And we're going to move on. We're going to talk about the NFL as a whole, some big games that went on in week five, guys. And I know we're all football fans here, and we caught some of these big games that I'm talking about. Uh, The first game that I want to talk about, I don't know if you guys saw it, the Green Bay versus the the Green Bay versus Cincinnati game. The way that game ended – was absolutely astonishing. We're we're watching a we're watching two kickers that are basically saying, "No, your team have the win. No, your team have the win. No, your team have the win. No, your team have the win." We're watching Evan McPherson and Mason Crosby uh, pull out both missed field goals, five total missed field goals between overtime and the last mm-hmm. couple minutes of the game. Green Bay winds up pulling out the win in Cincinnati. In incredible fashion, by the way, Devontae Adams had himself a game, 11 receptions for 206 yards and a TD. 
And yes, Jamal, like we talked about earlier, has just been absolutely stellar. Nine receptions for 156 yards and a touchdown himself. But like I talked about earlier, guys, I mean, Green Bay, we know what Green Bay is about. But Cincinnati, Cincinnati is another team to be reckoned with in this AFC when we really look forward, especially in the north. Because while Cleveland is is very good, we're, we're already seeing some problems that they are having in terms of, I guess you'd say, quarterback play. We're, we're seeing the Steelers kind of fall off a little bit. And while I think the Ravens have been a great team so far and been a surprising story, and we'll get into the game last night, we saw with the game last night kind of the rut that they could kind of dig themselves in in terms of games that they shouldn't be losing the way they are. So with the Cincinnati Bengals, I think this was a stellar performance by them and the way they showed up. Yeah, I like a lot of what I see from the Bengals, honestly. Like watching the majority of that game, uh, their offense is high powered. They're really coming along. Um, I like I really like their receiving core. Burrows coming into his own. Uh, their offensive held up too pretty solid this offseason. A lot of people were, you know, bashing the uh Jamar Chase draft pick over Penny Sewell, which was, you know, kind of an interesting one for sure. But um the offensive line hasn't been terrible and their run game's been pretty good. They've they've been able to stay in games and they've showed a lot of heart too, which is a little bit of a sigh of relief for Bengals fans. It looks like that their their offense is finally starting to come together. Their defense too, they have some decent pieces. You know, I I like the way that they're headed. They're still probably a couple years away from a division title, I think, but they're they're starting to get into that mix and they, you know, the Steelers might have to watch themselves because they, they could slowly be becoming the, that fourth best team in that division. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And when you look at green Bay and James, I'll throw it over to you. Cause I know Paul, you got to go in a few minutes, man. And I, I thank you again for joining us. But before we round out this green Bay game, I'm going to point this over to James real quick. And then I just want to talk about the chargers game with you. If you're, if you're, if you're good to stay on, because that was another exciting game in rivalry division type type game. I want to talk about that real quick before we let you go. But, James, you look at Green Bay, right? We looked at week mm-hmm. one of the season, all the controversy with Aaron Rodgers over the offseason. Week one, they come out, throw a dud against the Saints, 35-6, to six, I believe the final score was, and they've never looked back. Yep. And you would never even know that the offseason in which they had actually happened because of how well Aaron Rodgers has played being talked about an MVP conversation, how great Devontae Adams has played, as well as the defense, offensive line, and Aaron Jones as well. They've looked absolutely unstoppable and definitely are going to be one of those top five teams, maybe even top three teams when all is said and done in the NFC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they've turned it around since week one. I, I don't know if week one was because the Saints weren't at home, and I, I don't know. But this Green Bay team looks with Cobb and – Everybody else, um, they look pretty scary. Not gonna lie. If their kicker can actually make a field goal, I have him on my fantasy team. And the amount of times he missed a field goal that game, I was about to throw my remote through the TV. Um, <laughs> if you just make one field goal, the game would have been over. Yeah, like thirty minutes prior to when it did end. They are they're a team we both, all three of us know. They're an up and down team. They have highs. They got lows. Um, they're at a high right now. I think they will come hitting a low point, and then towards the end of the season, you'll see them recreate this high point and then make a push for the playoffs. That's what usually happens. Um, that's probably what is going to happen. I'm just making it short so we can talk um, your next topic. Paul, real quick before we let you go, I got a point to that Chargers game, man. 
talk to yeah. me about it. Six touchdowns in the fourth quarter, an ops, uh, a phenomenal offensive game. No defense whatsoever, but phenomenal offensive game. Talk about talk about what Justin Herbert's doing, man. Justin Herbert's been amazing. There's no doubt about that. He's um, he's got a lot of potential in this league. I think that he's going to be one of the star quarterbacks for years to come. He's really showing that. Um, and you know, I'm excited for some future Mahomes and Herbert rivalry to you know to be around for years to come. He's he's get, he's something special. He really is. He's got a great arm. Uh, that Chargers offense is high powered. They got a really good team. You know, they got Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Austin Eckler as their running back. Um, they got a decent offensive line. Their their defense, I think, is a bit questionable. Uh, I think that they got to figure some things out on that end, similar to what we need to figure out. But they that was that was a tremendous game, and it was an all around shootout. And that's what good teams do is come away with those kind of wins against a good team like the Browns. And I think the Chargers kind of proved that. That's why I'm really taking them seriously. I think everybody in the NFL world is really taking them seriously now at four and one, uh, especially after that game, you know, pulling out a late win like that. They they're they're coming along and they're gonna be uh, they're gonna be a tough team. There's no doubt about that. I think that the it was fantastic. You know, the Browns uh, blown a couple of uh, late leads this season, but um, the Browns are a tremendous team as well. And the, you know, there's going to be there's going to be a lot of good AFC showdowns over the next uh, for the rest of the season too. I'm really excited about it, and you know, excited to see what the Chargers do, and you know, and how much they can compete with us down the stretch. Absolutely. Paul, thank you for joining us thank tonight you. on Review and Preview. Real quick before we let you go, let the people know where they could find you out. Talk about the 3 and D. Obviously, you had your season opener last night uh, show. Make sure to go check that out on all platforms on the Review and Preview sports brand. But, Paul, give the people a shout-out. Tell them where, you, where they could find you at. Appreciate you guys. And you can check out the 3 and D live every Monday night at 8.30 here on the Review and Preview Network. You can catch all of our live streams on Facebook and YouTube. Um, yeah, brand new stuff coming. Uh, college basketball season's about to start. NBA season's about to start. We got it all, and we got some good guests. We're going to – it's going to be fantastic. Season two is here. So everybody go check that out, and everybody – Keep tuning in on Review and Preview for all the rest of our shows, and we've got some good things in the works. Paul, we are definitely looking forward to it, and thank you again, man, for joining us. A pleasure, as always. Of course. My pleasure, guys. And that was Paul Lombardi of the 3 and D, ladies and gentlemen. Paul bringing us some Chiefs information, talking a little football with us, James. Great discussion over the last, say, half an hour or so. Mm -hmm. Give us a little more at the end. I know I I told him, let's talk about some Chiefs. I texted him last night, talk a little bit about some Chiefs, but we kept him on a little bit. I wanted to pull that Chargers game out because that was such a tremendous game. As we talked about, you know, two great opponents, and I think two great teams for a very long time, not just the Chargers, but the Cleveland Browns themselves going into that Mm -hmm. game, one of the best defenses in football. We saw some great quarterback play from both guys. Uh, Baker at the end was not able to get the job done. Six touchdowns in the fourth quarter. But Justin Herbert, man, Justin Herbert is legit. Justin Herbert, that offense, Brandon Staley in his first year with the L.A. Chargers has been phenomenal. One of the best head coaching hires this offseason for sure. Listen, they've done something very special over there, considering from where Herbert started to where he is now. Yeah, Um, Yeah. He's only on the up and up. You guys better watch out for him. 
he's with um he, he he's quietly making noise i would say quietly making noise especially going against baker um, oh yeah well listen people people uh last season you know uh, and i when I'm, when i talk football with people and people talk football with me you know obviously a rookie year such a tremendous year was breaking all rookie records in terms of quarterback yeah. play last year but if it wasn't for uh Anthony Anthony Lynch, who was their head coach last year before being uh, let go, you know, just was losing close games for this team. Justin Herbert had such a tremendous year and was just losing close games. You know, the Chargers would have been in the playoffs last year. And I I still hold true to that. I still hold word to that because of the way that they have played, the way that they have continued to play into this season, beating really everybody inside and playing at such a tremendous and high level. They've been fantastic, and they're going to be a team for a very long time because they are as young as they are. You know, they, Paul talked about that offensive line. Great tackle that they drafted at Northwestern okay. this past year. Rashawn Slater, Austin Eckler, back healthy Swiss Army Knife player, pass catching running back as well. Had a tremendous game in this Cleveland game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darnell Farm as well has come onto the scene, looked very good. Jared Cook has had some bright spots at the tight end position. He talked about Keenan Allen. Mike Williams is having an – Epic year so far. Just a tremendous season. No defense can guard him. And then, of course, Justin Herbert and his play has been phenomenal. But, James, moving on, I want to talk about this game as well because while this game may may not have been the most star-studded game, it's definitely a good game uh, down the stretch. The Lions mm-hmm. versus the Vikings. The Vikings win 19-17 to on a last-second 54-yard field goal by kicker Greg Joseph for the Vikings. And we talked with Tom about this last night a little bit. We talked about the head coach and Dan Campbell because he got very emotional in the press conference after the game as the Detroit Lions are now 0-5 to start the season. They've had a very emotional loss this season already before with Justin Tucker hitting the longest field goal in NFL history. Yes. But Dan Campbell has done such a great job with this Detroit Lions team because they've been in – they've been in essentially, I would say, three out of the five, four out of the five games that they have played this year. They, they were in game one against San Francisco, just could not stop them offensively, lost 41-33. Green Bay, they kind of got, you know, uh, kind of got hit a little bit. Baltimore yep. losing on that last second field goal. They that lose is. to Chicago in a close game. They lose Sunday, obviously, in a in a killer. Again, another last second field goal. He gets very emotional, Dan Campbell, in the press conference. You know, just talking about how much work these guys put in, and you see it on the field. Like, yeah, DeAndre Swift has looked great. Quinton Cephas, before he got hurt, has looked good. Amonta St. Brown has looked uh, – Amona St. Brown, their uh, rookie wide receiver, I believe, at a USC this year, has looked good. TJ Hawkinson has looked good. Jamal Williams has looked good. The defense has not looked bad. They, they, they just have been not able to close out games. But I would not say – you know, usually an 0-5 team, you have a lot of negatives to say about whether it's an offensive defense and a lot of people point fingers to the coach. To be honest with you, you know, the job that Dan Campbell has done with this Detroit Lions team, and again, you can't really see it unless you're watching the games uh, fully or, or in pieces, he's done a very good job with them, I, I think I would say. No, I agree. I think, unfortunately, they've been on the wrong side of some very winnable games. I mean, the longest field goal in history in, in the NFL, you know, followed by another field. Goal. You know, you look at a lot of these games that, you, yeah, I'm pretty sure you can probably point, oh, this is where they made a mistake. This is where they should have done this and that. But at the same time, 
their players are putting their heart and soul out on the gridiron each time they go out there, which is something great to see as fans, but also great to see as a coach. You know, you, you guys saw it, and I'm sure you guys saw press, uh, the press highlights of him. You know, it it's hard because it's like you, you, you prepare as much as you do and then come short, but at the same time, it's it's nothing bad. It's yeah. all positives. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a learning curve. It's not like you're getting blown out where it's like, you know, you're upset. But at the same time, it's like you put everything together. It's more of, I guess, the luck on your side is the luck on your side for this game. And unfortunately, right now it isn't. But it's something for Lions fans to look forward to in the future. When everything's working, you can win a few of those close games. You know, the the – the field goal, you take that out of the equation, they probably should have won that game, to be well, honest two, with you. Two field goals. You know, two field goals. I mean, they're, they're two and three right now. And, and, and again, two and three isn't the best of records, but best, much better but, than being tied for the worst record in the NFL with the Jacksonville yeah. Jaguars, who are struggling mightily as well. So they have to look at that too. I think that they're going to be a good team. It, it's unfortunately nothing hasn't nothing isn't going their way, but in the future it will. You just got to give it time. And speaking of nothing going the Lions' way, uh, earlier Uh-oh. today, uh, Lions starting center, uh, Frank Ragno. Frank Ragno is one of the best centers in all of football, is having season-ending toe surgery. So that's Oof. not good for that uh, for the run game for the Detroit Lions, no. the protection of Jared Goff and Quentin Cephas, uh, Cephas as well, who's been a nice bright spot as a receiver for them, is out as well. So. Uh, not very good right now if you're a Detroit Lions fan uh, in terms of any potential hope for the latter part of the season. Obviously, there's still 12 weeks left of football, a lot of games left to be played. But in a good NFC North with teams featuring like the Minnesota Vikings, the Green Bay Packers, and the Chicago Bears, who haven't looked that bad uh, either. I think they're 2-3 and three right now. Uh, it, it's going to be very, very tough for the Detroit Lions to have any uh, have any potential chance to uh, put themselves in a winning position this year. But James, moving on to the last big game of week five, and we were texting during the game a little bit last night, the yep. Ravens versus the Colts. This game was absolutely incredible. This is going to be one of those games, you know, we talk about it all the time when we see an incredible game. You know, this is going to be a mm-hmm. game that's going to be such a great game for such a long time. But this is this is really the epitome of it. This is – this is uh, a game in which all hope was lost. You're at the third quarter with three minutes left, and you're down 22-3. to three. I believe the Indianapolis Colts, I saw a graphic last night during the game, that the Colts were 125-0. and 0 Correct. When leading. 16 by 16. 16. When leading by 16-plus points in a game. Yep. Obviously, now they're 125-1. and one mm-hmm. After Lamar Jackson has most definitely the greatest performance of his NFL career by far. Just an absolutely stellar performance in which it seemed like all hope was lost and that they were not going to be able to get themselves back in this game, completing 37 of 43 passes for 442 yards and four passing touchdowns while rushing for 62 yards as well. Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown, both phenomenal games. Andrews finished off with 11 receptions and 147 yards, receiving with two TDs, and Marquise Brown – nine receptions for 125 yards, two TDs, one of those TDs including the overtime winner. Just absolutely incredible what they were able to do to this Colts team because it's not even like the Colts have such a great offense. They got off to a, a hot start, John yep. Taylor, I believe, on the first 
play of the Colts' offensive drive in the first quarter, Carson Wentz throws an 86-yard touchdown to Jonathan Taylor. Right in the backfield, too. Throws a pass right in the backfield. He just breaks away from everybody and runs 86 yards down the field. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr., uh, Mosses, uh, Anthony Everett, runs into the end zone, gets that 22-3 lead at that point in time. But Lamar Jackson just carried the team on his back and carried them really to a victory. And that's really what he's done all season. Mm -hmm. And it's been incredible because with every single – sense of lost hope with this team before the season even started, really. You know, losing Gus Edwards, losing J.K. Dobbins, losing players on the defensive side of the ball, Marcus Peters for the rest of the season, losing players on the offensive line. Lamar Jackson has carried this team to be as competitive as they have been and put them in a position to win in the AFC North and put themselves in a position to be very competitive in the AFC as a whole. It has just been absolutely stunning and when we talk about surprises in the NFL, people jump to the 5-0 and Cardinals. People talk about maybe the Cincinnati Bengals and what they've done, the Raiders and their hot start before losing the last two games mm-hmm. uh, that they've lost after starting off 3-0. The Broncos, the same thing, starting off 3-0 before they lost the last two weeks in a row. The Baltimore Ravens, for everything that they had lost going into the season and during the first couple weeks of the season, they've been stellar. On, on the shoulders of Lamar Jackson. They have been. This game proves that Lamar is your quarterback, but also you have you, – you saw that I, – I don't know what happened to the Colts' defense if they just fell, f- f- uh, fell flat off the earth. I mean, the, the fact to march up the field in one direction, march down the field the other direction, and then take it all over time and just march down the field. Like, wasn't like wasn't even a concern in my thought that, oh, they're going to go three it, – it's going to be three and long. They're not going to convert it. Yeah. When I t- saw the game during the fourth quarter, I, something either clicked or something went off. I don't know. Maybe it was the concern that Lamar found out. Uh, Fonz was probably freaking out because – <laughs> I didn't even want to text him throughout the game. Um, but, geez, it, it shows that this team – Lamar runs this team. Yeah, no part it, of it, it goes. Yeah, it, it runs through Lamar. But it's also that he has his targets, and they can march up and down the field. They can stay as competitive at with whatever team they get if they're all hot at the same time. No doubt, no doubt. And, again, if you were to tell me – that the Indianapolis Colts are up 22-3 with three minutes remaining in the third quarter, and you're telling me to finish off the game, Carson Wentz has a completion percentage of 72%, throws for over 400 yards and two touchdowns. Jonathan Taylor has a day, and Michael Pittman has a day. And and knowing that the Colts' defense, because like you said, James, the Colts' defense is one of the best in football, and they just Mm -hmm. were not able to execute last night and were not able to close out this Baltimore Ravens team. I would have told you that the Colts won this game by by a long shot. Yeah. But Lamar Jackson, in the hands of him and shoulders of him, carried them back into this game, carried them into an overtime, and got the win for Baltimore. And mm-hmm. have kept them competitive. I believe they're actually – I want to say that they're either tied for first place in the AFC North or they're number one in the AFC North. Let me Let check me it right now. My app works too because, you know, that's a good question because if they are – They're number one. They are 4-1 one one. in the AFC North. Okay. They are four and one in the AFC North. That's huge. Yeah. Um, 
considering the the Browns had, you know, almost a shootout, but the Cincinnati we just talked about, that's huge, especially being up on Cincinnati. But they haven't played any divisions yet. They they haven't played within their division. So we'll have to see when that time does come. Yeah. Um I let let me see when they're in the the division next. They play a divisional game. Their first divisional game of the season is week seven against the Bengals. Okay. So now at this point in time, they still have six divisional games left to be played between the Cleveland Browns, yeah. Cincinnati Bengals, and Pittsburgh Steelers. But those are definitely going to be tremendous and epic games as well, especially against teams like the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals, because I think those are the teams that are going to be very competitive down the stretch to potentially win that division. Mm-hmm. But we will oh, see. Agree. But, James, to round out this show, we talked about some big games that we saw this previous week. We're going to preview some big games to come this week. I just got four games. We'll round them out real quickly. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, The Minnesota versus Carolina game, that will be played at 1 o'clock. Again, maybe not the most star-studded game, but I think that because of where they both have positioned themselves, they're kind of at an equal playing field. They're both Mm -hmm. potentially without their starting running backs and Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey. They both have good receiving cores between DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson and Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. While Carolina Panthers, I think, beat them out on the defensive side of the ball uh, versus a Minnesota's defense, I think that Minnesota's quarterback and Kirk Cousins is better right now at this point in time than Sam Darnold is. So I think that this is potentially going to be a, a good matchup to watch out for come week six. I agree. I think that's going to be – one of the top matches, especially the way Minnesota played um, against the Lions. No doubt. I think another game that we're going to see this weekend, the Chargers versus the Ravens, the Chargers and Ravens on such a high right now after both having such epic performances, the Chargers against Cleveland and the Ravens last night against the Indianapolis Colts. Mm-hmm. This is probably going to be my game of the week here. This is going to be such a tremendous game. So the quarterback play that we're going to see potentially between Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert, I think is going to be absolutely spectacular. I agree. I kind of wish they moved that to more of a primetime game uh, just because of what happened last night with the Ravens um, and how well the Chargers are playing. But I don't make the, the, the call. So but that would be if the Giants are not winning or doing anything good. That's That's a game I'm tuning into for sure. No doubt. In fact, you talk about primetime games at this point in time. The Sunday night game is the Seattle Seahawks versus the Pittsburgh Steelers, which, you know, now Russell Wilson not being Russell Wilson now being out, by the way, six to eight weeks with a after having uh, finger surgery. Yep. Because uh, he dislocated his finger against the Rams on Thursday. You know, that's not going to be a great game as, as a primetime game. And then the Bills versus the Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee Titans have probably been one of the more bigger surprises in a negative sense in terms of the way that they've started off the season so far. The offense has not been very good outside of Derrick Henry. And the defense has been very, very bad for the Tennessee Mm -hmm. Titans. Uh, And especially against a Bills team who is looking like one of the top dogs in the AFC with a stellar defense, with the stellar defense that they have and a stellar offense that they have, that is not going to be a good game either. So, I agree with you. If you were to, if you were to call a primetime game, the Chargers versus Ravens, even though it's at one o'clock in the afternoon, that's the game to look out for. That's going to be a stellar game. Even um, I, I hate to get off track, but I'm looking at it now. Even the four twenty five games, you got the Cowboys versus the Patriots and the Raiders versus the Broncos. I mean, I, I yep, don't find you got a, a you got a divisional game in Denver versus Vegas. That's going to be a good game, and you got yeah. 
Dallas versus New England, who New England hasn't looked so great offensively, but defensively, you know, they're, they're, they're potentially one of the best in football to go you know, up maybe, against a, an offense in Dallas who has been so dominant through five weeks of football. I would switch one of those games around to make it an 8 o'clock game for Sunday night, but, again, I don't make the schedule. Another primetime stellar game that, you know, we're talking about right now, the Cardinals versus the Browns at 4 mm-hmm. five. That that's going to be an awesome game as well because Cleveland yeah. coming off a uh, uh, a very uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is a very I don't want to say sad a very it's not a bad loss against the Chargers but a, a loss that definitely hurts yeah also like, definitely hurts the way that they played going up against the only undefeated team remaining left in the NFL and the Arizona Cardinals Arizona Cardinals are actually taking a hit themselves. Uh, the Chandler Jones, who is one of their best pass rushers, is now on the COVID list, so he will not be playing in this game this weekend. So that is huge for the Arizona Cardinals and their defense uh, as they look to go 6-0 and as they match up against the Browns this week. And the Browns still have one of the best defenses in all of football between the pass rush and the secondary in which they have. I believe they are number two against the run. Sounds about right. Uh, and top five in the pass. They've been one of the best defenses in football so far this season. So that's also going to be a tremendous game. We'll see what Kyler Murray has uh, in his bag of tricks between <laughs> the distributing the ball offensively to guys like Chase Edmonds, James Conner, A.J. Green, Rondell Moore, DeAndre Hopkins. I know they lost Max Williams, who was uh, elevating himself as a nice tight end for them this season, but uh, is out for the rest of the year with a season-ending knee injury. But you know, James, that offense is absolutely terrific. So oh, that's going to be another yeah. great game. That's probably going to be one of the games of the week as well to look out for at 405. That's going to be a good one. Yeah, no, that, that's going to be a fun one to watch, especially two mobile quarterbacks going head-to-head. And I think it is – oh, it is in – it's in uh, Cleveland. So, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to that game. I, you know, the games you picked, Kyle, they're going to be good games to watch. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. I know we kind of talked about it a little bit, but the Monday night game next week, the Buffalo Bills versus the Tennessee Titans, again, while uh, – I don't think it's going to be such a stellar game. I think Buffalo will win that game. Uh, Tennessee has not really shown anything this year defensively. Uh, that is really that has really told me that they're going to be able to handle this offense that Buffalo has to throw at them. And on the defensive side of the ball as well, I think Buffalo is one of the only teams in the NFL that has both a top 10 passing and rush defense mm-hmm. right now. So they have been terrific on both the defensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball. We just saw what they did in Arrowhead against the Chiefs, a 38-20 to victory against the uh, against a team who's gone to back-to-back Super Bowls, winning one of those, obviously, against the 49ers and losing to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this previous year. But we saw what they did in, the, in Arrowhead, and that's one of the toughest places to win in football. So now going up against the Tennessee Titans, who have not looked so great this year. But again, the Tennessee Titans in an AFC South, that has not been very good at all. They are they are winning that division with ease with teams like the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Houston Texans, mm-hmm. and, the, and the Indianapolis Colts now, who are now one and four on the season. So could be an interesting game as well. But James, on that note, any final words before we wrap it up here? Um, yeah, I got, I got one. I got a few words. Um, okay. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, of course. There you go. You know, make sure you subscribe. Follow us on social media. Also, um, you know, we, we mentioned something about merch earlier. We did. You know, I, I think uh, all you should go buy some of our merch. It's up on Bonfire. You see my comment, and uh, it's the link. Um, I do want to let Kyle, you might know um, part of my job 
at the end of the night of a show, I got to set up merch. Um, I don't have to do anything for this merch. Just buy the merch. Buy it. I'll be wearing it soon. I think mine gets shipped out. I bought it the other day. I want to say within the next few, a week or so. So you see me wearing some fresh merch for the show. Um, but yeah, go buy your merch. Kyle, go after the show, go buy your merch. All right. You heard me, right? I got it. I got it. Right, I, I definitely loved it. But... Otherwise, I'm coming to your house and buying it for you. You'll buy it for me? Well, then I'll let that happen then. Well, with I'll your card, though, I, I will sit next to you and help you. How about oh, that? You'll help me. So you won't pay for it, but you'll just help me no. click uh, check out in the cart, right? Exactly. Yep. You know it. But on that note, make sure to subscribe to us on all platforms. Obviously, Review and Preview is not just a show, but a network as well. We got mm-hmm. Hitting for the Cycle tomorrow with Hank and Dick that we talked about earlier in the show. The Houston Astros will be facing off against the Boston Red Sox and the ALCS. We got some big games tonight. James, before we wrap up, a quick update on the Braves game. Do we got an update on the Braves game. versus Milwaukee game? Give me 30 seconds and I'll tell you. It is tied um, 4-4. It's four, tied 4-4 in the bottom seven. So Atlanta has the opportunity to end it tonight, and the Giants have an opportunity to end it against the Dodgers tonight as well, starting at around 9-10. So make sure to look out for that. Hank will be bringing you all things baseball come this Wednesday, and obviously Big Blue we have on Thursday as well, talking about the Giants and where they stand uh, after this week, going up against the Rams this weekend and for the foreseeable future and their season. But on that note, I'm Kyle on behalf of my On behalf of James Montefusco, <laughs> I'm Kyra, so thank you all for tuning in, liking, and subscribing, watching. We really do appreciate it. We've flourished in all of your commentary. We've flourished in your viewership, and we really do appreciate it and are thankful for those that have listened. Those that will and potentially will purchase merch, we thank those as well for continuing to support the brand, review and preview. On that note, thank you all, and have a great rest of your night.